Well, this morning our text is 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7. If you don't have a copy of the Word of God with you, you can look right there in the pew. And the red book is our pew Bible. And on page 1329, you'll find our text this morning. And as we always say, if you do not have a copy of God's Word, we'd love for you to take that with you and let that be a gift for you from us today. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7. Very short passage. I want to make sure everybody's there before we start going. 2 Corinthians 5, 7, and the Word of God says this. Oh, wait, I almost forgot. Let's stand this morning. Uh, it is short, so you won't mind standing then. We'll stand in honor of the reading of God's Word this morning. The Word of God says this, For we walk by faith, not by sight. Let's pray together. Lord, I pray today that we would indeed see our world as you see it, see ourselves as you see us. More than anything, Lord, I pray that we would begin to peel back the curtain and see you for who you are. Lord, that we would, that we would come to know you even better and more and deeper and more personally so that our faith would grow and strengthen. Lord, we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. As you know, this is the second part to our two-part series on Jesus' sermon out of Mark 1.15, the simple sermon, Repent and Believe in the Gospel. Repent and Believe in the Gospel. And last week we dealt with repentance, as simple as it sounds, that the idea that we are to turn from what we're doing, have sorrow over that. We are to turn towards God. Um, so part of what it means, what this sermon means, is to repent. That's part of our response to the gospel. And in the repentance, we know, I mentioned last week, that repentance is one half of the coin. In repentance, we get to know ourselves and are thus driven to repent. That is, the more you get to know who you are truly, really, the more you see the sin, the more you see the, the blackness of your heart, the deception, the rebellion, the lack of faith, the more you know yourself, you will be plunged, thrust, catapulted into repentance. And on the opposite end of that spectrum, we have belief. And so if repentance is what happens when you know yourself, belief is what happens when you know God. So we repent because we see who we are and we believe in God because we see who He is. When we see His beauty, His majesty, His righteousness, His holiness, specifically where the rubber meets the road for us, His power, His wisdom, and His love, the more we get to know God truly, and I don't just mean get to know that He exists, but personally. That's when we believe in God and we turn over more and more of our lives to God. This verse, I believe, 2 Corinthians 5, 7, encapsulates better than any other verse in the Scriptures what it means for a Christian to truly believe in God. It is the simplest way we can boil down this idea of following God, and that is walk by faith. And it's my goal today to drive home the point that knowing God changes the way we live. Now, in its context, I don't want to tear it out of context. So, it, 
where it is, Paul is using this idea to comfort the Corinthians uh, about death, essentially. They're, they're worried. Some of them are dying, and some of them are close to death, I imagine. And, and they're worried about what's to come. Worried about losing their goods and possessions and their lives. And, and Paul comes in and comforts them with this general principle that we ought to walk by faith, or he actually says we do, Walk by faith and not by sight. And although it was used to comfort them in a very specific area here, we can apply this to our whole life. I think we ought to. Last week, I gave you five points about repentance. This week, there's only two points on faith. So you know what that means, right? The sermon is going to be exactly the same length. It's not going to be any shorter. I'm sorry. But... You, have, you get a lot more bang for your buck. You know, those are going to be some good points. Uh, you can probably guess what they are, actually. Uh, but the first, the first thing we're going to look at, actually, is walking by sight. We're going to start at the end of the verse here. We walk by faith, not by sight. But we're going to look at, we're going to look at what it means to walk by sight. There's, what are the errors? Now, we're not going to point out every last thing. But what are the errors of walking by sight? I want you to know that, first of all, walking by sight, when you walk by sight, you are no different than the unconverted. When you walk by sight, you are, for all practical purposes, an atheist, an agnostic, not really truly believing or trusting in anything above and beyond yourself. You're living as if there is no God, as if the promises of Scripture are hollow and false, as if the Bible is myth and fantasy, as if your life depends on what you can do and you alone. The common areas of walking by sight, we've mentioned already, we doubt the wisdom of God. I don't know if He really knows everything that's going on and knows what's best for me. We doubt the power of God. I don't know if He can really pull me out of this one or if He can make a way. And finally, we doubt the love of God. He might can do those things, but I'm not really sure that He actually cares about me. First, when you walk by sight, you are doubting the wisdom of God. When we walk by sight, we're doubting the wisdom of God and leaning on our own understanding. A familiar verse, Proverbs 3, 5, it, it warns us not to do that, right? Proverbs 3, 5 tells us not to lean on our own understanding, but to trust in the Lord with all of our heart. You see, the problem for most of us is that leaning on our own understanding is the default position of our, our lives. This is where we are, and, and to make matters worse, this has become almost a religious mantra for our culture. Leaning on your own understanding has become almost a religion. You hear things like, you live your truth. Be true to yourself. Don't let anyone change you. Do what's right for you. So for someone to come along and say the exact opposite, it's shocking. It's offensive. You know what I find funny is that those same people, they don't lean on their own understanding for practical matters. You know, you don't see an accountant... Cooking up, sir, cooking up lunch for a business meeting. No, he, he hires a caterer because he wants good food served to his clients. A mechanic has an engineer draw up shop plans for a new shop because he didn't want a car to crush his head one day. 
And a florist hires an HVAC repairman to come and install a new condenser coil or something because all she knows is, I don't want my flowers to wilt. You see, they'll consult a higher authority on a matter like an HVAC repair, but on spiritual, spiritual issues, we trust ourselves. We tell each other, you do you. Go ahead, lean on your own understanding. See, even for Christians, I think, we've become, we've become so accustomed to leaning on our own understanding that we almost can't comprehend at times trusting in the Lord. We think we know what relationships ought to look like. We think to ourselves, I'm going to lean on my own understanding here. I, I know how much money it takes to pay bills and how much debt I'm in and... and I'm not able to do that and put food on the table. We, we dip into despair. You think, I, I, I lean on my own understanding here. I know what a marriage looks like when it's on the rocks and it's on its way out. And there's no hope left. And that's the way mine looks. And we give up hope. We think, I understand what tactics it takes in the office. What kind of politics and maneuvering and backstabbing and lying and things it takes to climb the corporate ladder here. And I need this job. I understand what it takes to make me happy, and on and on we say, I lean on my own understanding. We look at our life and we trust our own experience, our own minds, our own understanding. Walking by sight is doubting the wisdom of God. Who knows better? Secondly, when you walk by sight, you're doubting the power of God and trusting in earthly sources of power. Another familiar verse, Psalm 20, verse 7 says this, some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. Chariots and horses, that's representative of earthly sources of power and strength. Now, I don't own a horse. I doubt any of you own a chariot, but you do have something in your life that you look at as a source of power, a source of strength. That's not always bad, but are we trusting in these things? Are we trusting in that savings account or that job or that education or our connections? Are, are we banking on family and friends to be there for us? Or are we putting our faith and trust all in even something as grand as the United States Armed Forces? So when those sources of power let us down, we're devastated and hopeless because nothing is secure in this world. No job secure no family member will live forever no 401k is safe when you've pinned all your hopes on temporary things you've built your hope on sinking sand my friend so walking by sight means doubting the wisdom of God the power of God third when you walk by sight you're doubting the goodness and love of God and forgetting what he has already done numbers 14 11 the Lord is speaking to Moses and he says, And how long will they not believe in me in spite of all the signs that I have done among them? How long will they not believe in me in spite of all the signs I have done among them? Reminds me of a story of a man who was walking near a cliff. He didn't realize how close he was getting and then he slips, falls over the edge. 
It's a deep gorge. And on his way down, providentially, he catches hold of a branch. And so naturally, in terror and in just pure desperation, he screams up to the top of the cliff. He screams up, anybody up there? Is anybody there? And he hears a voice. I am here. I am the Lord. Do you believe in me? Yeah, I believe. I, I really, truly believe. I just I can't hang on much longer. If you truly believe, I will save you. Just let go of the branch. Is there anybody else up there? We say we believe in God. We say we believe that He is loving, that He's good. But we often act as if He's out to spoil our fun. As if he, he, He's making our lives difficult on purpose. As if He really doesn't care. He doesn't really love us. Lord, don't you know how hard it was for me to get this job? If I don't laugh at those dirty jokes, I'm going to be an outcast. I might never get a promotion. I might even get fired. What you're saying is, I don't really believe that you care for me. You will care for me if I lose my job. It's up to me to provide. I can't trust you. Lord, these are my only friends. If, if I don't do what they do and act the way they act and treat their parents my parents the way they treat theirs, I'm not going to have any friends. And what you're really saying is, God, I don't, I don't believe that you care enough for me to make sure I have friendship and companionship. We think, Lord, I'm scared. Lord, I'm worried. Lord, I'm at the end of my rope. Do you really, really care? And so we live in fear and anxiety in desperation, rather than believing in God's goodness and love. But just like the Israelites, haven't you seen Him do it before? I mean, haven't you seen God provide before? 20 years. 20 years my family's been kept perfectly safe. Ah, oh, bang and a bruise here and there. But one day the disease comes knocking on the door. And it's, where are you, God? 35 years, my home is solid and safe and nothing happens to it. And it's a blessed place to live. And then a storm comes through and destroys. And it's, God, why don't you care about me? See, the Israelites get a bum rap. I mean, <laughs> after all, they've seen, they've seen the Red Sea split. They've seen the pillar of fire. They've eaten the manna. They've drank the water out of the rock. And yet still, they don't believe. Still they're hungry. Still they're shouting at Moses. Hey, man, they got a lot of chariots back there in Egypt. A lot of horses too. Think we might be better off just going back? We've done the same thing. We forget that the Lord has been faithful to our family for 20 years. We... We forget that He's protected us for 35 years. We forget all the many, many times He's seen us through. And the one moment when it doesn't seem with our eyes to be that He's looking out for us, we doubt. Walking by sight is doubting God's wisdom, power, 
His love. Well, if that's walking by sight, what is walking by faith? Walking by faith is knowing God. It's knowing God. One night a, a house caught on fire and everybody in the home made it out except one little boy. Seven years old. He's terrified. The house is ablaze. He can't go down through the house. The only way he has to go is up through the bedroom window out onto the roof. And he's terrified. The house is surrounded by smoke and flame and blackness down below. And he hears a voice down below at the bottom shouting, Jump! Jump! I'll catch you! It's the boy's father. And the boy says, Daddy, I, I'm scared. I can't see you. I don't want to jump. And the father says, But I can see you. I'll catch you. The boy survives. I don't want you to be worried about him. He's okay. Even though it's a fake story, he's okay. But what's interesting about the story, I think, it illustrates well our faith in God. But, but what I want to think about is the next day. I want to think about the next day. The boys jumped off the house into the dad's arms, and he's fine. And they're, uh, they're at a friend's house the next day, and the friend serves them some kind of weird vegetable food that the kids hate. And now dad's like, son, trust me. This is good for you. This broccoli... It's good for you. It's healthy. It's what you need to eat, son. It's better for you than cheese balls and grapeco. I promise you. But having children of my own, I can attest to you, it would probably be easier to coax them to jump off of a burning roof to me than to eat vegetables. But that's the way life is for us. For us, we've made that leap. We've jumped off the burning building of our own works. We've trusted the Lord with, with salvation, yes. But it's the small, everyday things that we worry about. It's the little things. It's the things like relationships, or money, or politics. We think we know what's best. We don't trust the Lord. But in the moment of crisis, this young boy believed in his father, didn't he? He did. He believed in the, the wisdom of his father to know better. It was better to jump off a burning house into the darkness. He believed in his power. The father could catch him. He believed in his love. The father wouldn't trick me. He's down there. I know it. So that's what it means for us to walk by faith. I believe is the same thing. We believe in God's wisdom and power and love. Let's walk back through these things from the positive side quickly. First, knowing God means that knowing God is wise. Proverbs 3, 5 again, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. It's a simple question, but let me ask you, who knows better, you or God? About anything, who knows better? Now, I, I would assume that most of us are going to say God. Hopefully all of us. Let me tell you, if you put your trust in the Lord, you will never be let down. I know it's simple and it's cliched, but you will never be let down. 
Never once. Now let me, listen, I did not say if you put your trust in the Lord, you'll always have it easy. I didn't say that. I, I didn't say you'll never lose anything that you love if you trust in the Lord. I didn't say you'll always be comfortable or never have suffering or, indi- or difficulty because following the Lord isn't always easy and comfortable, but you'll never regret it. Let me tell you from personal experience, I have regretted many times leaning on my own understanding. I have looked at the world and the situation and thought, God, I believe in you, but I really don't. <laughs> I really don't because with my eyes, I see something here that I need to take care of in a different way. I, I need to do something about this. Maybe that you don't want me to, or maybe I need to jump the gun and not be patient. Or, or, or maybe I'm just living in fear and anxiety and I miss portions of my life because I'm, I'm scared and I'm worried and I don't trust in you. I've regretted it. But I've never regretted following the Lord, even when it was tough. Even when it was difficult. We know that the Lord is wise. Walking by faith is knowing that God is powerful. Back in Psalm 20, verse 7 says, Some trust in chariots and horses. Verse 6 says, Now I know that the Lord saves His anointed. He will answer him from the holy heaven with the saving might of His right hand. Some trust horses and chariots. We trust in the Lord our God. It's easy to look around and see things that are substantial, that you can put your hands on, that you can count, that you can quantify and say, those are things where my strength is. I've got my security wrapped up in my home and my family, my money. I've got these things in my hands. Don't put your trust in the strength of this world. The old song says, let goods and kindred go. This mortal life also. There's nothing in this world that can sustain you. I want to tell you something really simple. If you just think about this for a moment. The God who measured the seas in the hollow of His hand can make sure your mortgage gets paid. He's got that. And you know what? If your mortgage doesn't get paid, He can make sure that you find another place to live. If you don't find another place to live, He can make sure that somebody takes you in. And if nobody will take you in, the Lord God can appoint a plant to grow up over your family's head and keep you out of the sun and the rain. God is able. He is powerful. There is nothing outside of His control. There is no problem that God is ever going to meet in your life that He goes, whew, never seen that one before. So if we believe that He's powerful, if we believe that He's wise, maybe we just have trouble believing that He cares. Psalm 52, 8 and 9 says, But I'm like a green olive tree in the house of God. I trust in the steadfast love of God forever and ever. I trust in the steadfast love of God forever and ever. I'll be honest with you, this is the hardest one for me. In my mind, I can, I can understand, I can grasp 
a God who is wise. He knows everything. I get that. Omniscience. It makes sense. He's God. I can understand a God who's powerful, who can do whatever He wants, who can do anything, accomplish any goal, solve any problem. I, I can believe that. He's omnipotent. He's God. But what I have trouble comprehending is that that God cares about me, little old me. And I'm not trying to be falsely humble here. I really, who am I? And so I struggle with that personally. I do. I struggle not to worry about my family and my future and, and, and to feel that burden on my shoulders of what am I going to do 30 years from now? Or, God, I hope my kids are going to raise their children right. I mean, they're 10 and 11 years old. They're not even in middle school yet. But I'm feeling that weight. Not quite 11. Sorry, Will. Almost. But I, I've given this illustration before. You'll forgive me for the repetition. But it was, it's just an important event in my life, and it changed the course of my life, I believe. But when Will was a little fella, he um, was swimming at a friend's house and just slid down the incline into the deep end. Couldn't swim. And um, Kylie was there, and being the vigilant mom that she is, she, she found him quickly. But there he was, unconscious in the bottom of the deep end of a pool, you know, not breathing and whole nine yards and so of course everything is fine now he's okay but in the moment and in the days following church frankly I was mad I was mad at God because I did believe in him I believed that he was all powerful and all knowing and I said God if you are Powerful, if you knew about this, the only thing I can say is you just don't care about me and my family. I was mad. It took me a long time to come to grips with that. I, I, I had trouble believing that if God really loved me, something bad could still happen to me and my family. I just didn't see how that went together. And truthfully, I don't have a secret for you today. I don't have... I don't have the silver bullet that's going to destroy that thought in your heart and your mind. The only thing I can say is I got to know the Lord better. I read His Word and I looked for things in life that were blessings and care and the love of God instead of places where I thought I saw Him sleeping at the wheel. That's what I had to eventually do. See, we, we go through life and we look at the gaps. Well, I see all of this blessing and all of this safety and all of this comfort and, and all of this peace and prosperity, but here, this doesn't look quite right to me. I guess God doesn't care about me. This, this spot here is not right. It's off. And eventually I had to come to grips with the idea <laughs> God does care about me. I mean, what was to keep all of my children from having an illness or dying young or some other thing? And what was to keep anything bad from happening to my family but the hand of the Lord? And I missed the biggest thing of all. 
my son was alive. <laughs> he was safe. He was healthy. And I was overlooking that because in my eyes, I saw what I considered a lapse of, of care and judgment, but it was not. I had to learn to trust the steadfast love of God forever and ever. You know, church, one day something bad will happen. Something bad is going to happen in your life if it hasn't already. You've got to decide whether you believe in the Lord or not. I know God cares for me. In fact, He, he cares for me so much that He sent His one and only Son to die for my sins. And if I believed in Him, then I could have eternal life and not perish. He extends that opportunity to you because... Believing in God doesn't just mean that you believe that He's able to help you in this life. It means that you believe that He will forgive you of your sin. And I didn't skip over that on purpose. I, I, I skipped over that because I thought we're all, most of us are church folks here, but we cannot talk about belief in Jesus Christ in a sermon on belief. So if you are a person here today and you don't know Jesus at all I want you to know that God has provided a way for you to be forgiven of your sin and it is as simple as believing that Jesus died to pay for your sin and that God will forgive you if you believe in him if you put your faith and trust in him he will save you today and maybe you are here today and you're still standing on that burning house and you've not jumped because you're trusting this house is kind of okay I think I can make it no you can't <laughs> I know it's dark and you can't see the bottom you have to trust that Jesus will save you leave your works behind leave your good things that you think you've done behind and put all your trust and faith in Jesus in just a moment we're going to have an invitation here and that's your time to respond if you feel you need someone to pray with you I'll be down front I'd love to pray with you about belief or lack thereof, your faith, help you strengthen these things or issues that are going on in your life. Maybe you need to come forward and talk with someone about putting your faith in Jesus Christ for the first time. I'd love to talk with you about that as well. Or maybe you want to talk with someone about church membership. We can do that too. In just a moment, we're going to sing a song of invitation. Won't you come as we sing? Let's pray together. Father, we're so grateful to be here in your house. We thank you. We thank you that we can trust you with everything that will come our way. We thank you that you are powerful and wise. But more than that, that you love us and actually care about us. I pray that there's one here today struggling with that thought, Lord, that you would erase all doubt in their minds, or at least begin to. Lord, and grant them that eye-opening faith through grace and we pray it in jesus name amen